Hi there, this is Mason Deaver, author of I Wish You All the Best, and you're listening to the Super Lit Podcast. bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBT community. Hey, Mason. Hey, Sophie. Hello. Hi. Uh, Sophie and I are uh, <laughs> being graced by... Ma- so, I was literally trying to pronounce your last name today, Mason, and I literally didn't know how to say it, and it's Deaver? 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 It is Deaver. This is, like, this is one of the most surprising things that I've had to, like think about because I never um I never thought my name was like my last name was like a difficult thing to say because literally the town where I'm from um half the population is like a diver so I had to put a pronunciation guide on my FAQ on my website and that has uh definitely been the most surprising thing so far about everything (laughs) I I maybe I get called Brandon all the time and I feel like my name is very easy to pronounce, but uh, maybe it's in like that family of like, oh, if you literally look at the spelling, maybe that'll help. Um, but yes, thank you for helping me pronounce your last name. Um, <laughs> we have a special guest. Uh, I have Sophie here with me. I have Mason, the author of I Wish You All the Best. And uh, we are super excited to talk to Mason today. Sophie, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> We haven't been texting each other at all today saying how anxious we were. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I promise I'm not that threatening. I told Sophie that we spoke on the phone earlier, and I was like, oh, they seem like really calm and collected. And that's that's nice for me because anytime I have to be like <clears throat> professional, um, it just uh, fails utterly. <laughs> so um, thank you for making both Sophie and I feel very relaxed. No problem. That's why I'm here. I always, I always find that despite my anxiety, it's always the lead up whenever I'm most anxious and whenever I'm in the moment. Like it's fine. It's no worries. But any lead up, I'm just, I'm completely panicked throughout. Yeah, I think that's uh, very on brand for everyone. <laughs> but um, so we have you here with us today, so we can ask you uh, a thousand questions. No, uh, we, I. <laughs> I remember messaging Sophie and being like, we're reading this book. And I also uh, reached out to the author. Are you okay to do this? And um, thankfully, Sophie was free around this time. So we could actually both be here for it. And we're both very excited to talk to you about your book. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am a big fan of the Superlit podcast. And so it was quite the honor whenever you emailed me. I wasn't (laughs) expecting you to say that when you said that the first time. And I was like, Oh my God, that means an actual author has been listening to me talk uh, with Sophie. And we, I think 90% of the podcast is us um, making each other laugh, which is great. Um, And like 2% 
serious conversation. So we're very much like Plankton from SpongeBob. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sophie, did you? Uh, I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> Off to a great start already. <laughs> well, I will say I usually take notes or I try to take notes, and I literally I listen to the audiobooks. Um, and I binged the entire book in one day, so I didn't have any time to take any notes. Uh, that's, I want to say unfortunate, but also thank you. <laughs> I love the audiobook. It's so good. And um, the narrator was just like a perfect, I was like, yeah, this is what Ben sounds like. This is perfect. <laughs> yeah, so that was like a lot of fun because um, I actually got to, I wouldn't say like I was like the final choice in who picked uh but i definitely got like my say and so they asked for ideas and i didn't have any because i listened to audiobooks but like i didn't have any narrators that like popped out to me and so i kind of just took whoever they wanted to audition and i listened to all those and i picked from the selection and so yeah i really love uh mw's narration it's fantastic I always want to like know more about the audiobooks because that's like not, I guess, my realm of the podcast. Uh, I really want it to be, but I also have this fascination with having a book collection. Um, and I guess like holding the physical book has always been a thing for me. Um, and also like looking at the like the artwork the entire time, I literally was like, what beauty products do I need to look like Ben? Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> literally when i got the book i was like i want my hair to look like that question mark and they talk about the hair in the book and i'm like yes yes more of that tell me more you need that good like sea salt spray to get those perfect curls yes honestly the only way to get those perfect curls is to become an animated character i found at least those are my goals so i'm getting there one day sophie is 95 percent looking like trunks every time i see her i feel like that's like her thing (laughs) It's, uh, you're not wrong. I want to be part of the briefs family at some point. I definitely am going to get my hair dyed blue so I can be slightly more Bulma, but I'm always in between Bulma and Trunks. (laughs) I love all of this so much. (laughs) Sophie texted me. (laughs) Sorry, Sophie. (laughs) I was just going to make a terrible joke. Oh, do it. Welcome to, uh, Dragon Ball Talk. We're here to talk about... (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, but we were talking earlier about, uh, she was like, I wonder what what questions we're going to ask. And she goes, oh, I'm going to ask them about Yuri on Ice and Carly Rae Jepsen. And I was like, all right, um, I haven't finished the book yet. And I had just started at that point. And she was like, these are the questions I'm going to ask. And I was like, yes, I need to know why Yuri on Ice is mentioned. I can fill an entire hour talking about either one of those subjects easily. So I'm game right here, right now. Excellent. Perfect. Literally the first question I have written down is, have you listened to Dedicated yet? And what's your favorite track? Of course I have listened to Dedicated. Um, We actually, we actually waited up until midnight for it to drop on Spotify. And um, it was... My roommate was very tired, and she's the diehard Carly Rae fan in the house. Like we, we're all Carly Rae fans, but she is the like die hardest one. And so, I, like, she was halfway asleep, and I tried to wake her up, and she was like, "No, I don't want to." And I was like, "It's Carly," 
And then um, as she was falling asleep, we actually put the album on loop for her on her phone beside her ear so she could just listen to it while she slept. Um, long story short, though, uh, oh, my God, I'm the worst fan. Uh, is it, it Feels Right with Electric Guest, I think, is my favorite. I think that's the title of the song. Mm-hmm. Feels Right, yeah. Yeah, that one's definitely my favorite. And then um, I haven't, I haven't learned all the titles yet. I'm a fake fan. Um, and then "Want You in My Room" is definitely like my close second. I love how like '90s that song feels, and it's amazing. Yes, I have this like long running theory in my brain where I'm like trying to fit people who are current pop stars into like the previous generation. So I'm like, Janelle Monae is the new Prince. And like Gaga is the new Elton John. And I was like, Carly's seeping in and she's going to be the new Cindy Lauper. And that track, I was like, this is so Cindy. Cindy it's so, so good. Yes. Oh my God. I, I love how literally any song that you pick from this album, you could slot in to like a nineties movie, like any of them. And it's amazing. And I love where she went with it. So proud of her. She's come so far. She really has our Canadian angel. I'm actually getting to see her in July, and I'm going to ask if... I know concert venues are, like, iffy, because we got, like, meet-and-greet tickets. I'm going to see if I can sneak a copy into the concert and take a video but of her, like, saying, you know, go buy this. Uh, no promises, though. I don't know if that'll actually work. <laughs> I hope so. I, I think she would appreciate it. <laughs> I pray that that works for you, Mason, because that would be iconic. Um, and and I, I, I don't know a lot about Carly Rae Jepsen. I was just talking to Sophie about this. Oh, I'm, my God, Brendan. I know. I know. I'm, I'm disappointed in myself. Um, I feel like I know her music, and I like it when it comes up in front of me. I, for some reason, am not a good gay, and I don't know how to like fall more in love with her. And I feel like I have to because everyone's like dedicated and I'm like, what are we talking about? You need to, you need to educate yourself on the Carly Ray. I need to find Carly Ray Jesus clearly. Um, <laughs> I, I really hope that works out for you though. That's the best way to do it. Honestly. <laughs> I literally like when I was like the when I first started listening to it, I was like, I need to be out of my office right now. I need to be in my car, like blasting this out the window. Like that's this kind of music. It's very, um, it's very late night drive with your windows down and like maybe the sunroof down and the winds blowing. It's, it's very much that kind of album. That sounds like it's right up my alley because I just got my driver's license. You're a big boy now. Thank God. Um, so that ends our Carly Ray talk. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't go on longer. To be that's honest. been the CRJ segment. Well, we haven't even talked about emotion yet. Like we really, we can go back in the logs. Like we could go. Oh my god! Or like uh, kiss. Like oh god, I could talk about her for as long as you need me to. All right, we'll do a bonus episode where we just talk about Carly. We'll, <laughs> bonus uh, content just for the Patreon. We'll uh, we'll rank the albums, and unfortunately, spoilers: Tug of War will be last. But you know, that's just where it is. Oh no! Um, since we're talking about pop stars, I saw that you tweeted at Kim Petras. Um, what is your favorite Kim Petras song? Uh, literally all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't. That's like picking a favorite kid. I mean, I I I could say all the time or Hillside Boys. I really love um, Blow It All. Um, is my like favorite of like the recent singles that she's dropping. Uh, that one's definitely my favorite one of those. I performed Heart to Break as Link from Legend of Zelda, and it was probably one of my favorite things because I was literally just looking for an excuse to perform that song and drag. And that's amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. Um I I feel like her newer music, I I'm liking it. I just I'm so used to, I guess, the type of sound that she had with her older music. It's weird to say because she's literally put out like a full album that was just all singles, but I really like Blow It All as well, and I like Sweet Spot. Um, but I'm interested to see where she's going with this music. I'm very intrigued to see because it's definitely like the the slower sound, which I like. Because um, you know the last album, I guess you could technically call it, even though it was released over two years and is made up entirely of singles. Um, it was very like fast paced party beats that, you know, she just stand on the stage and like perform all night long. And all of these songs like blow it all in sweet spot are probably like the fastest pay or I got my number is pretty fast paced too, but like they're very, they're very slow reserved songs too. I feel. Yes. And I also really love secure the bag, sis secure the bag. (laughs) Perfect. Really good words of wisdom, honestly, from our friend, Kim. Honestly, I mean, she has so much wisdom to pass on to us. She just wants to hang out with Jesus and tell us to secure the bag. Like, I get it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So, um, Sophie, should we start? So we usually do the book sleeve before we talk about, like, the book. Um, just so people know, like, a little bit about the book. Are you are down you- with that? Yeah, sure. Should I run to my room and go get it real quick? Or are you going to read it? If you want to read it, that'd be awesome. I usually do it and I mess up every single word. So I would love someone else to do it too. I, <laughs> I won't say no because it's your podcast, but also <laughs> I'll do it for you. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm used to messing up words and syllables. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I believe in you if that means anything. <laughs> Believe in you who believes in me. What is that quote from that anime? In Skirin Logan. Thank you, Sophie. Do you remember? What is the actual quote? Uh, don't believe in you, believe in me who believes in you, I think is what it is. Wow. Yep. That sounds about right. <laughs> that is uh, so extra and exactly the way I expect an anime to uh, get a message across. It's usually shouted to by a blue-haired loud man, so it's extra, extra. I was going to say, which bonehead who had blue hair did it? And I'm like, oh, wait, it was probably the one that Kirsten cosplayed. Yeah, Bing Strawglad. Yes. All right, so for the book sleeve, um, it says, it's just three words. I'm by... <laughs> See, I already did it. <laughs> oh, my God, second word. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. Um, it's just three words. I am non-binary. But that's all it takes to change everything. When Ben to ba- is it Ben DeBacker? It's Ben DeBacker. So you kind of you kind of enunciate that a. Ah, see, I I think it's on brand for me to not know how to pronounce anything. Um, <laughs> uh, when Ben DeBacker, 
Did I Correct. Do it right? oh, yes. <laughs> Comes out to their parents. They're thrown out of their house and forced to move in with their estranged older sister, Hannah, and her husband, Thomas, whom Ben has never even met. Struggling with an anxiety disorder compounded by their parents' rejection, they come out not only to Hannah, Thomas, and their therapist. Oh, wait. <laughs> yep. They come out only to Hannah, Thomas, and their therapist and try to keep a low profile. Oh, my God. This is bad. <laughs> and try to keep a low profile at the new school. I can't do this. Wow. Um, <clears throat> but Ben's attempts to survive the last half of senior year go unnoticed (laughs) oh my gosh i literally feel like i'm reading in the dark but ben's attempts to survive the last half of senior year unnoticed are thwarted when nathan allen a funny and charismatic student decides to take ben under his wing as ben and nathan's friendship grows their feelings begin to change and what started as a disastrous turn of events looks like it might be might just be a chance to start a happier new life At turns, heartbreaking and joyous. I wish you all the best is both a celebration of life, friendship, and love, and a shining example of hope in the face of adversity. I shouldn't be allowed to read aloud ever. I give that a solid B. Thank you for being kind. (laughs) It's funny, when I'm, like, reading to myself, this doesn't happen to my brain, but as soon as I start to say words aloud, it sounds very much like the parents in... um, what is it? Cow and chicken where it's just like sounds, I think. Okay. Or, is, or that, is that, um, peanuts, Charlie Brown, maybe, or peanuts. Yeah, I guess the want, 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 want. Yeah. That's uh that, that was an actual sound clip of me talking that you just did. Um, <laughs> but yes, that was the book sleeve for, I wish you all the best. Um, and the one thing I wanted to start off with is that you have a, um, blurb on the cover from Becky Albertalli. I do. It's there. And I still don't believe that it's there, but it's there. Um, when I saw that, cause I, I remember you, I think you said something about it on Twitter, but, um, when I saw it in person, I was like, Oh my God, they're, they're probably wildly excited about this because I feel like I would be. So I'm just assuming you are as well. Um, I am the most excited about it and I will claim that title from anyone who tries to take it from me. I will definitely love to watch that fight. Um, was it so? Would you say that Becky is like one of your like literary like inspirations? Oh, one hundred percent. I I honestly do not think that I liked I liked to write um, a little bit, but after reading Simon Verses and Upside of Unrequited, um, it really almost lit a fire underneath me because I read Simon Versus for the first time in summer of 2016, I believe. And then, you know, um, over that summer and then later that year, I started working on the book that would become, I wish you all the best. So Becky was the catalyst for a lot of that book. And then she even at a point, um, I did a sensitivity read for Leah on the offbeat and she came to me and was like, you know, we're happy to pay you. The publisher is happy to pay you for this sensitivity read, but I know that you have a book and while I cannot, you know, critique the representation, I'd love to take a look at, you know, the book and give you advice and, you know, help you with that. And of course I took that because I have more than one brain cell. 
Um, <laughs> I actually only have two, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, she's she's definitely such an inspiration to me, and she's been there almost since the beginning of the book. She read it in. She read it for the first time. I don't know how many times she's read it now, um, but she read it for the first time, and I want to say like spring of 2017. So yeah, she's she's been there from almost the beginning with this one. Wow, you've you. I know it takes like a, obviously a while to write a book, especially when this detailed. I didn't realize that. I mean, it's 2019, so I guess two years ago isn't that like a long distance, but that seems like such a long time. Oh, and it feels like such a longer time whenever you're in the middle of it. Um, but yeah, I um, it started, like I said, I think late 2016 is when it became this something that's close to what the book is now, I would say, because I originally tried writing a... Um, I've, talking about this every time it never gets any easier i tried writing a new adult like college thing that ben and nathan were a part of and that was a disaster mostly because i've never attended anything higher than community college so i don't know how college works um but um late 2016 around december november i changed it to uh, a young adult novel i finished it probably in January and um that was still such a hot mess but I edited it um which is such a weird phrase to say and then I think about it edited it um (laughs) um but let people read it got critiques back and then I started um querying for agents in March signed with Lauren in July we went on submission with the book in September Sold it in December of 2017. Um, did more edits throughout 2018 up until probably about, I would say, the last time I did edits for the book. It's probably September. And then September or October, definitely the fall. Um, and then at that point, it's too late to change. So you kind of just have to go with the flow. And yeah, so all in all, about uh how's that i'm bad at math that is that a is long a long period of time <laughs> it's it's so long and it it feels even longer whenever you are sitting there at your inbox waiting for basically just waiting for rejections from agents because that's just what you have to kind of expect going into it. You're going to get a lot of no's, maybe some fulls, maybe some revise and resubmits, but you're, you're probably going to get a lot of no's to begin with. And then if by some grace you do get an agent, uh, you then get to start the journey of sitting in your email inbox waiting for just any news and who knows how long that could take. Um, it's actually kind of funny, though, because I've talked with, um, you know, uh, Clarabelle Ortega has her podcast, Ride or Die, which I listen to a lot as well. And um, she has a lot of authors talk about how it takes them two, three, four, five years to even get an agent or to even sell. So so the fact that I did it within a year, I always kind of feel bad talking to people about it because, you know, I'll I'll they'll spout off how long it took them and i'm like oh it only took me like 11 months to get to all that i can imagine it's hard when someone's like wow this is just like such a you know a grievous process and you're like yeah i know i feel the same way but at the same time like uh, it's 
different for everyone, I'm assuming. And uh, depending on like what you're writing about too, I, I'm assuming that like changes certain things as well. Um, but I, I don't think it's uh, a bad thing to like talk to people about things like this, but, but I can I imagine could... if someone's in it, they've been doing it for longer and they've been having like a longer wait. It's like, Oh, how do I address this? Yeah. And then it's, it's always a tough thing too, because um, it's the whole thesis of Clarabelle's podcast. You know, every writing journey is completely and totally different. Like there may be some similarities, but some people sell quicker. Some people get agents quicker. Some people have to go through multiple agents or multiple publishers, multiple editors. Some people have to deal with things that you could never even dream of having to deal with. Like it's all different and it's all weird and it's all frankly kind of stupid, but we're all here for it. That That's the thing that I like, I believe I actually have that podcast in my, like my phone long on my Apple podcast thing. Um, there's like a bunch of different podcasts that I follow and I sometimes will put them on when I'm going to sleep. And that's like, if I, if I don't fall asleep immediately, that means I like the podcast and I'm willing to listen to it more. I used to force Sophie to listen to Welcome to Night Vale uh, when she would sleep over my apartment in Philly. And I would just be like, hey, we're putting this creepy thing on. Good night. And that's the just worst thing to do. Out. Oh my God. That, that's just so creepy. <laughs> it's the worst. Just like leave me in a dark room alone with Cecil Baldwin just talking into the microphone very slowly about. <laughs> thundercloud sophie i'm so sorry he did that to you <laughs> i just terrible. want i i mean i am i admit that i'm a bad person i just want cecil baldwin to coo softly to me um because maybe that's like my main goal in life is to have a handsome man coo at me to fall asleep um <laughs> <That's just> so <laughs> mean. i don't know how to respond to that <laughs> i mean we all want that but oh my god yeah, I guess it's just because it's Cecil. I would, <laughs> anyway, nothing's crying about Cecil Baldwin. Um, but uh, yeah, I the, I definitely have to add that to my list of like podcasts I actually listen to because um, I've had questions about these things before, and I I'm not a writer, so I don't know how to get the answers to any of these questions uh, without like, like asking someone that's like currently going through it. And it's like it's not really something that I know how to pose a question for. Oh, it's, it's such a wonderful podcast. And like, not to, not to like sing the praises of another podcast on the podcast that I'm on. But if you, if you are a writer or are interested in the process, Clarabelle interviews so many different people and so many different authors who have all been so many, like been through so many different types of situations. It makes you feel uh, like you're less alone whenever you're going through whatever you're going through. That's really cool, though. And I feel like Sophie and I talk about occasionally different podcasts on here, especially because, like, ours is a very, I guess, like, specific niche of uh, a kind of podcast. And it sounds like theirs is as well when it comes to, like, this is what happens with writers. But writer A, B, and C don't have the same experience, like, experiences. So it's it's something that's different with every person, too, which is very cool. Oh, yeah. I, I love it so much. Sophie, do you have any questions that you want to do? Do you want to do like back and forth? I already asked my Carly question. I'm, I'm totally out now. <laughs> That's all we needed. All right. The podcast is over. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, 
this was a question that was posed in the book, and I thought I would actually ask you as well. What is your favorite book? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you ask me such difficult questions, and I don't know how to answer them. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the question in the book, and I was like, well, here we go. Going to need to do this one. Listen, my answer is exactly Nathan's answer, and that's my cop-out. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I So, like, Simon versus, obviously, pretty much anything written by Becky, um, I will read, devour, and sing the praises of. Um, oh, boy. Anything Adam Silvera has written. Um, Darius the Great is Not Okay by Deep Karam. Um, they, there are two books, actually, coming out. Uh, one soon and one in the fall that I will go ahead and start singing the praises of. So, um, Technically You Started It by Lana Wood Johnson comes out in July. I wish I had the specific date. Um, but that is a book told entirely through text messages. Um, and I, I, I loved it with all of my heart. Um, and Lana's such a wonderful person. I love her. And then Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett, I got to read early drafts of the book. I don't know how much it's changed like since I read it last. Um, but I, that's another book that I just love with all my heart. And Cameron is such a lovely and wonderful friend. And I'm so excited for her and ready to see what she does because she's going to be big. And I just know it. That's so cool. How, that, I do you guys like do authors send each other their books all the time, or is it? I I, I don't I, know that part. <laughs> I I don't know that much about that either. Um, Cameron and I, we read our books. I think whenever either of us were unagented. That's another weird word to say. Unagented. We did not have agents. Um, so that was like way back in two thousand seventeen. Um. And so it's been a while since I read that one, but that was whenever we were just like, you know, friends talking uh, in a group chat on Twitter and not really uh, authors yet. Um, Lana was kind enough to give me a copy, an arc of her book uh, in February, whenever I wanted to go, I went to go visit her and Adib for a little mini writer's retreat. And that was a lot of fun. Um, Oh my God, you met Adib? Adib? I love uh, Morris Award winner Adib Kram. He is the greatest, and I love him. And he tells me secrets of stuff that he is working on, and I'm very excited to read those too, and I cannot wait. He seems like such a genuine sweetheart. Like, I I literally, when I read uh, Darius the Great, I think I cried for such a long period of time. Because it's such a profound book. I'm sorry I'm talking about another book when we're supposed to be talking about yours. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I will I will sing about that book until I die. I love it so much. And Adib is a complete sweetheart. All he wants to do is drink tea and uh, watch Star Trek and talk about Battlestar Galactica. Oh, my like God. <laughs> he seems like a perfect angel. Oh, my God. I, uh, I also think Becky seems like a perfect sweetheart angel, like as well every time i see a picture of her i'm just like you seem like like if i was a teenager i would want to like be like hey is this thing like okay like can you help me with it i feel like she seems like a very helpful person becky is wonderful and um like i said earlier she she was a big part in the editing process before i was before i even met my agent lauren um 
Becky gave me a lot of guidance in what she thought, you know, what she thought worked and what she thought didn't with the book. And so, I mean, like I said before, without her, I really don't think the book would exist at all. I think she's a guardian angel. Like, I think she is like a human angel. She honestly has to be. Like, I'm, I can't be convinced of anything else. <laughs> um, so, uh, I was going to ask another question relating to the books, but I got distracted by Dee because he's a sweetheart baby angel as well. Um, I guess, um, let me look at my questions. Um, what is the fav- your like, favorite part of your book? I, again, that's like picking favorite children, but I can answer this question. Uh, I, I, speaking of favorite children, like I get asked a lot between Ben and Nathan, who's my favorite, and I know how to answer that one. So I'll try this one. Um, I really think, I really think that my favorite scene, at least the one that I think was my favorite to write, is the first rooftop scene uh, after Ben has had that big anxiety attack at the party that they go to with uh, everyone and Nathan takes them to his house and they sit on the roof and they just get to talk. I, 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 it's, it's such a quiet moment and I feel like I get to show a lot of who each of them are in that one scene. And I just really love it so much. I think that stood out for me a lot specifically like the party scene too because the book has like beats of like tropes for lack of a better word it's like okay this is like a drama with teens so there's going to be a party and something's going to happen so it's like just the anticipation of the party I started to get anxiety for Ben um but I think the fallout of it was just so much better than it like a typical situation because they had that like beautiful moment together. It's like, yeah, like you said, that like really soft, quiet moment. I was like, no, this stands out because something like shifted here. Like this is different than what should have happened if we were like to follow, like what is expected. Yeah. And that's like, that's one thing I like, that's one thing I don't think I necessarily set out to do i think it was something more i was subconsciously trying to do um because you know not that i tried to get away from tropes i love tropes and uh, a potential idea for a book that i'm working on right now is just completely uh beginning to end just a ton of different tropes and i love it so far um I really, but I really think that that is. I actually think that's a strong point of the book is that it breaks a lot of different expectations with how you do things. Like I think it would be easy to think that Nathan would just be this kind of aloof guy, but I really wanted to make him. I really wanted to make him like a soft sweetheart who cries and shows affection for other people in such a visible way, which I don't think is something we get to see a lot of boys doing in young adult. Yeah, that was another thing that I think stood out even... I mean, I was, like, aware that this was there was going to be some romance happening, but even before anything really, like, started to come through, like, I feel like even before Ben starts to realize that they have any feelings for Nathan beyond just, like, okay, I trust this person... Um, they're so like physically affectionate, like 
they hold hands. Like Nathan's always kind of like touching Ben, like to reassure them of things. And it's just, just a nice relationship between, um, especially yeah, Nathan is just like such a nice affectionate boy. And I was just like, no, he's good. I like him. (laughs) He could stay. Nathan is a very good boy and he is my favorite. And I don't think I'll have another favorite other than Nathan Allen. I love a perfect tall boy. Yes, a very, very perfect, very tall boy. And I I also really like that in, in the book, like when they're being affectionate with each other, it's not a fear of like, oh, we can't do this because it's it's two people being affectionate towards each other in public. And it's never brought up like that. It's more so like, oh my gosh, we're touching hands right now. Oh my gosh, we're touching hands right now. His thumb is touching my thumb. <laughs> and it's just like so like pure and precious. Yeah, especially because for the majority of the book, spoilers, I guess, uh, Nathan doesn't know that Ben is non-binary. So for all intents and purposes, he could he assumes that Ben is like male identifying. And he's never I'm concerned about that at all as being like, um, like, oh, we can't we can't hold hands because this is two boys. Um, it's It's not even like a hesitation. It's just like, no, you're my friend. And this is how I comfort you. In. In my head, and I don't want to be like the author that like retroactively adds things. <laughs> J.K. Rowling. Um, <laughs> don't get me started. I, Mason, if you ever want to come back for another episode that is just talk about you know Harry Potter, I'm sure Sophie would love to have you because I would I, love that too. I have opinions, especially whenever I get asked what my character's Hogwarts houses is. I'm not going to answer it. I'm not. I refuse. I am the person who is like, I'm a Hufflepuff until I die. But also we need to talk about how they like force 11-year-old children to be segregated into different houses and how not Honestly, oh my (laughs) God. It's, there are so many problems with that series. If you just like, I know it's a kid's book. But if you just, like, look a little bit deeper, there's so many issues with Harry Potter. Oh, my God. I'm honestly, I feel like I'm so much more, I'm so connected to Harry Potter because of the fandom itself. Like, I have so, the just, like, the the fan theories and, like, things I've read in, like, fan fiction and stuff just, like, through since I was, like, little. Like, I was like, no, this is this, is this character because all the things that, like, jk shoves in and is like yeah no totally this representation's been here it's like no no but there, you don't understand there's like a 30 chapter fanfic where someone actually rewrote the first book and like harry's by and like hermione's in black the whole time and there's like just like all this great stuff and representation because that's what we want and you didn't give that to us but also, but also yeah uh, like honestly because like every like i God, I know we just got away from the question, but like I started writing like seriously through Harry Potter fan fiction and like changing things and actually making Harry queer and making Hermione a black woman and like all these different things. I'm like, not to toot my own horn, but I think I did better than J.K. Rowling. <laughs> if you want to send me any links to fix, you might still have. Oh God, no, though, no, 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 no. <laughs> Those will never see the light of day. I love talking to like people who write uh, authors or not, and just being like, "So, how do you feel about fan fiction?" And the majority of them are like, "Well, I mean, I have thoughts on fan fiction, and an entire file of just fan fictions I've written." And I'm like, "I love this," and I feel like so many of my friends 
have like written fan fiction. I know that, you know, some people I know very closely might have written Jonas Brothers fan fiction. And it's just, I love hearing these stories because they make me like, it's just a normal thing and I love it. I love love how normalized it's become because it's such, it honestly is just such a good way to get so many things out because not only can you just practice writing, you can like, you have this other world and other characters or, you know, if you decide to make your own original characters, like there's, it's like having a big tub of action figures that you can just play with and make your own stories. And you're also honing your own craft and like coming up with your different ideas. And then there are times where it's just like wish fulfillment and you just get to write what makes you happy. And like, that's just so good too. Like there's nothing, everything about fan fiction is good for the most part, at least. I don't remember why we started talking about that. It's fine. I, this is what happens here. We we lose ourselves to the questions. I think I was. Oh, I was talking about Nathan. Um, thank you for knowing where we were going because we don't. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. Um, what was it? Oh, Nathan. Um, retroactively adding things. Um, I don't want to like add things about my own book, but to me, Nathan is this. Nathan is this kind of soul who I've been like lucky enough to know on a few occasions where like he doesn't care about how he shows his, his love for other people. If that makes any sense at all. Like he doesn't care about the gender of the person or being conceived, perceived, conceived Jesus Christ. I'm a writer. Um, He doesn't care about being perceived as like a certain type of person uh he just he likes the people that he likes and he wants to make sure that they know that he appreciates and that he loves them would you have you ever watched Shit's creek ah i have i have very much and i very much enjoy it so i'm a huge fan of that tv show i think it uh is a very important tv show even though, which is weird to say because it's called Shit's creek but i it sounds like very much like a um, a David kind of situation. I almost said "ew, David." It sounds very much like that. <laughs> the baby. Um, no, I I definitely think that I definitely think they're very similar. David is almost David's almost a good combination. I think of Ben and Nathan in a way because he has a lot of a lot of Ben's personality traits when it comes to the anxiety and how they're resistant at the affection at first. But then on the opposite side, whenever David cares for someone, he's like all in and that's definitely Nathan. And so like, he's, he's actually a very good, like the perfect combination of Ben and Nathan together. That sounds, I think like kind of perfect. And I, I love that, uh, you know, Ben is, I, I like the way that Ben is because Nathan is very much like sunshine, golden retriever puppy, um, which is so funny that uh, he has one, uh, Nathan, I should say. And uh, Ben is very much like kind of like closed off, but like is being opened up by this like ray of sunshine in their life. And I, I love that so much. Yeah, Ben, um, Nathan. Nathan is. Like I and like this is on the nose in the book, I think, but I I still very much like it. You know, like there's a reason that whenever Ben decides to paint Nathan's portrait, like they choose yellow, they choose a very happy, a very 
bright positive color when it comes to Nathan. And uh, that was like a very, that was a very purposeful choice um, because that's what Nathan is to Ben. Um, You know, a lot of the people that Ben meet in the book, um, their sister, they haven't seen in 10 years and there's a lot of baggage there. Thomas, while being Hannah's husband is still a near stranger. And then, the the therapist, Dr. Taylor, is someone that they're forced to kind of meet and interact with at first. And Nathan, while he keeps pushing and pushing Ben to try and, you know, get them more comfortable, Nathan is one of the first, like, hugely positive people in Ben's life. And one of the first, like, truly honest people that Ben's ever gotten the chance to meet. Yeah, I think uh, the... Uh, I don't want to say aggressive positivity of Nathan. Um, Nathan is just like true again, truly like an actual ray of sunshine. Um, I, I like aggressively positive for him. I, Nathan is very aggressively positive. That's how I describe myself to people because they're like, "How do you get through this?" I'm like, "Oh, I have like negative emotions sometimes, but like I just just I decide to be aggressively positive and push myself through things, and that that doesn't always work for everyone, obviously." But it's just like how I deal with things, and I I loved like reading that because I was like, oh, I love this so much. Like, I if I could relate to someone in this book, it would be very much like Nathan being just <laughs> aggressively positive. I love Nathan, and like there there were points and times I've been. This is a question that I've been asked a lot um, on tour and at signings was about balancing like the dark stuff and the dark tone of the book, especially the beginning and how to make that work and make it balance. And my answer is always Nathan because Nathan is such a, a positive and happy force. Um, you know, but there are even, there are times where Nathan isn't, isn't so happy go lucky, you know, whenever Ben asked them to go with them to meet their parents, uh, Nathan, doesn't think that it's a good idea. And then there are moments uh, where Nathan has things that he wants to tell Ben, but even he's scared and he's not so thrilled about it. And so Nathan was a lot of, a lot of that good balance for me. I I believe that's called the foil character. I'm using that term incorrectly. I think he's very much a foil to Ben though. He's, he's the foil. We love good foil. Another question um, I had was, was there any like specific like inspiration where Ben and Nathan came from? So like I said, not keep backtracking. Um, (laughs) It used to be, it used to be a college romance story and I know nothing about college. So I could write the, the angst and there was still a rooftop scene and stuff like that. Uh, But as far as like, you know, going into classes, grades, exams. I didn't know how any of that worked. Um, so, so I had to like, kind of had to push that away. Um, but even from, even from then, Ben and Nathan were the main characters. Ben was the main character. Nathan was the love interest. And through the course of the book, their, what would you call it? Dynamic. Um, their dynamic was largely the same. Um, Ben was a pretty nervous kid who was 
knew to a lot of different things and Nathan was sort of happy-go-lucky and helped them see a lot of different things and see the positive side of stuff and kind of tried to teach them to see the positive in their own work. And um, as I as I gravitated towards setting it in high school and making it a young adult, uh, there was a version of the story where Nathan was actually the new kid and Ben was in charge of teaching Nathan the ropes and the tricks of the school while also having to open up. And then I switched it to Ben is the new kid and like, why is Ben the new kid? But Ben and Nathan are the only two characters who have, who have definitely like been there from the very start. Okay. I thought of more questions. Perfect. (laughs) I'll help. Okay. I'm going to try to word this so this makes sense, but I have an idea in my head. Um, I think the relationship between Ben and Miriam is really interesting because um, they're like an online celebrity for lack of a better phrase. And I think especially for younger uh, queer kids, you kind of have the internet now, which is this like amazing like universe of like being able to listen to people talk and understand more about yourself or hearing people's perspective. Like there's literally just like hundreds of like YouTubers who identify in every sort of way and they share their story openly, which is so nice. And I just think it was really amazing that you had this character who was like that kind of presence for Ben, but then also genuinely uh like an actual friend like they skype regularly even though they don't know each other in real life they're still like a support system and i was just wondering what brought you to that space to have kind of like an online presence but also like a close friend so so miriam was another tricky character um because they didn't start off the character that they are in the book. I sort of, while writing it, I struggled with trying to find a way to fit them in because I think, I think the high school loner bit is kind of a stereotype in YA and I didn't want to like go full force with that. Um, You know, Ben's very much alone, but I still think they needed to have, certain characters that they could play off of and interact with that weren't Nathan or Nathan's friends. And so Marion was actually a classmate of Ben's and through writing it, I kind of, it was kind of ironic because then I struggled with where to put them and where to make them. And then I kind of had this thought where what if Marion was almost like this sort of guide they were the they were the yoda to ben's luke um for lack of better phrasing but and that's sort of whenever they became like a real character to me whenever they turned into this online support system for ben they they have a a video series that ben is familiar with and um all their videos really and that sort of helped open up ben's eyes to what different things meant and made them feel comfortable with their own body. Um, because, yeah, like you said, the internet is such a, a vastly important tool, especially for queer kids nowadays. Um, like, they have, they have so many different people I feel like they can follow and not exactly go to, but, like, watch their content and become educated from these creators that share these different things. And so that's what Miriam ended up 
being to the story and um this 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 guide for Ben that they could sort of follow and learn from. I also really love that they just add more diversity to like all of the characters that you've brought into the world. Um and I don't think I can speak about this very eloquently at all because I'm a very white person, but um, I think having Miriam there and being able to talk about like the um, interactions that they have with like their headscarf and how that's more of like a female specific clothing for a non-binary person. I think just having that, even just like that inkling of that thought in there and bringing it into the story is so amazing to add that kind of diversity. Oh, thank you. Um, a lot of, a lot of Miriam was inspired by a friend of mine actually named Miriam, who is non-binary and wears a hijab and things like that. So they were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of real life. Miriam is a lot of book Miriam, if that makes any sense. But, um, like, yeah, when it comes to the diversity, I, I never set out to like write, like a a super diverse story it just sort of happened because you know the, the real world is a diverse place my high school was filled with all kinds of kids and like not all of my friends were white or later I would figure out straight or cis and so I thought it was important for the book to feel real to have different kinds of characters and people in there and not just have like a milk toast, all white straight cast. And I think it flows really well with the narrative that you felt like it's not like, and here's this person and then they're this, and here's this person and this, like it doesn't feel forced at all. It's just like, as you introduce characters, it's just seamlessly like, yeah, this is a reflection of the world, especially like when you start to, um, look more specifically about like the LGBTQ world. There's just, there's so many people. I think there is like a particular part where Ben is talking and even just like the mention of like arrow and ace people, like in a book, I was like so excited. Oh, thank you. That was cause I, like you said, I didn't want, I didn't want anything to feel forced. Like I, I'm glad that it comes across natural. Cause that's like, that was my goal. And like, you know, it, I tried to reflect the the real world as I saw it, which is, you know, a pretty diverse place. I think you did a really good job doing that because it, it, it's very natural and it doesn't seem like, Oh, this is just my one friend. Like, it's like, yeah, I'm friends with this person and I'm friends with this person. Like I'm friends with anyone that I actually find interest in or like that I gravitate towards. And it was, especially in the meeting with the, um, at the safe space meeting, um, that meeting was really cool. Like having everyone gravitate towards, uh, around like Nathan and, uh, I almost said Mason and Ben while they're there. It was, it was really interesting to see like the different people there and to show like Nathan and Ben, like these are the different people that you can meet in the world, especially for Nathan who hasn't really been in that situation before. Yeah. And that was, that's another thing that's really important to me. It's like this, this showcase of the different people out there and how, you know, your first impressions might not be who they really are. And, you know, why bother assuming stuff about people when you don't actually know them? Um, I think so. Um, look, I have like a bunch of questions that I'm trying to like find the like right flow of them. Do, 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 uh, how much of, 
is this, I don't know if this is a weird question. How much of Ben was inspired by your like actual life? Oh God, so much. Um, that's why, <laughs> that's why they were difficult to write because a lot of Ben is me. Um, thankfully I, I like, I wasn't kicked out of my house. Uh, my mom is very supportive, even though I might not be, you know, a hundred percent out to her, but we don't talk about that and it's fine. Um, but a lot of Ben's, a lot of Ben's anxiety and depression and feelings about their own gender, um, a lot of them, a lot of them are things that I've dealt with myself. Um, my anxiety doesn't exactly manifest in the same way that Ben's does. Um, I do overthink things a lot, and I'm worried that, oh no, I said this, so like this person's mad at me now, and like I'm always lying about how I feel a lot of the time. And then when it came to gender and discovering that, I Ben and I have different bodies, but a lot of that is stuff that I've dealt with. There was a point in my life uh, whenever I was very, very insecure about the the facial hair on my face, and you know, even the tiniest bit of five o'clock shadow seemed to make me spiral, or you know, other body hair, um, and the clothing that I would wear it it made me feel bad about who I was. And I, I thought having been sort of go on this journey of finding comfort in who they are and the things that they want to do versus what people expect non-binary and trans and genderqueer and fluid people to look like. I thought that was really important and something that I wanted to like get in there and sort of talk about with Ben. So, um, I mean, like Ben is, Ben's a lot of me, and I honestly think that's why they were uh, so difficult to write sometimes. I think for, but like, I think Ben, especially their anxiety is like written very, very well. Um, and another question I had was like, it's, was that specific part of their character like really hard to build on uh, and to like write out? Because I feel like anxiety can be written, especially like that kind of thing can be written in a very hokey way, I think, especially if the person doesn't understand it and you wrote it in a very uh, eloquent way, which is weird to say about anxiety. Um, but it was, it was believable and it seemed like an actual thing that was happening. Like I, I believed it. And uh, I think that the thing about Ben that I liked the most was that uh, they seemed like a, a, an actual person, which is why I, I thought to ask the question because I f- felt like Ben was like, I, I'm, this is your. Is this your first actual book that you've put out? I'm assuming this is yes. <laughs> yeah, um, it's actually. This is again backtracking. Um, <laughs> uh, I I would hear authors talk about how they shelve so many manuscripts, and this is another thing I feel bad about. But I wish you all the best. Is the first book that I completed, start to finish. So I mean, it's it's literally my first book, and it's also my first book. Yeah, I think uh, I. <laughs> I've written very badly written things before, and I've used myself as uh, a lot of the character in the world that I wrote, uh, which I think Sophie can agree to. And uh, it's it's really hard, especially if you're writing something. And I think a lot of the time, using yourself as like basis of a character is like a smart thing to do because then if you know yourself well enough, you can write things about it. But at the same time, it can be very very difficult to write, say, like, maybe a negative thing thing about about this person. person. Yeah. Um, Any, a lot of my characters do come from me, even Nathan. 
Um, Nathan's almost who I wish I could be or who I think I can be whenever I'm feeling, you know, particularly neurotypical on a good day. Um, <laughs> but you know, a lot of, a lot of Ben and Nathan are me. And I think that that is a lot of the time a smart place to come from. Um, the inspiration Ben used to be a cis boy who was just dealing with their feelings uh, attraction to another boy and growing up in an environment where they were told that was wrong. And so whenever I started questioning things about my gender and it started to click, I made Ben an outlet for that to get out my frustrations about how I saw certain things or was dealing with certain things. So I think a lot of the time, like good characters do come from at least some part of the author's experience. I need to find an address to send Ben a slouchy sweater that is about knee length. Cause I feel like that is something they need. I was just thinking, uh, speaking of Schitt's Creek from a little bit ago, the, when they were describing like the big, like slouchy sweater that they really wanted, I was like, that's something David would wear. Those like amazing, yes. like really long, like slouchy with the hood. Like I just want David's whole wardrobe to be honest, but I was like, that's exactly what I was picturing. <laughs> David's wardrobe is the best wardrobe I've ever seen on a TV show. And Ben would 100% uh, wear every single sweater that David owns. David, whoever dresses David, like, honestly, has done it so well. And it's been on brand the entire time, like, without fail. And I need it's to, amazing. I need to figure out who, like, the costume person is specifically for David. And if they have been awarded anything... And if they haven't, I will be more than glad to start petitioning for them to be nominated because they deserve it. I 100% agree with you because the the clothing on that show is actually really good, especially like Moira's wig, like the wigs, like honestly, like goodbye wigs. I'm I'm done. You know oh, what? Wigs. My mom like brought uh, told this to me the other day, and it like entirely blew my mind. And I need to like go back and rewatch. But she was saying that. The only time that David starts to wear any color in the TV show is after he starts dating Patrick. And I was like, immediately like started crying. I was like, what? It's the little things that make us emotionally vulnerable. I didn't realize that. And now I have to go back and rewatch it because also um, Patrick is truly, um, I, I love their relationship so much. It makes me so happy. Um, I, I could, I could literally talk about Schitt's Creek for an hour. He's very, uh, Patrick's very Nathan-esque where he's just kind of like a sunshine, happy boy. And he's also very just like, all right, I guess I like this person now. I don't care like what their gender is. This is fine. Also (laughs) very able to look at the person and be like, I'm going to sass you now and it's going to be a thing. Yes. Yes, Yes, definitely. I have one more like question-ish thing. Um, and I don't have an answer for myself, but I'll try to think of one. But we like vaguely talked about it um, with fan fiction and stuff and kind of like creating the diversity that you look for in um, media. And I think I know you wrote, you've written about Steven Universe before, which we can also talk about for days. Um, <laughs> but I think there's a lot more diversity, especially for like younger kids, just with like everything with like queer characters coming out now. And I feel like when I was younger, there weren't necessarily like out queer characters, but there were queer coded characters that I identified with. And I was wondering if you had any 
from when you were younger that might be something? Oh, I I love this question, but I wish I had an answer. Oh my god. Um I I have to think for a second because I I'm sure that there are characters that I loved. Well, I mean, no, I just thought of one, uh, Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Probably not what you were looking for, but Ursula is so very queer, and I love her so much. But yeah, mostly I was one of those kids who just kind kind of uh, had a crush on every cute, like, animated character that they saw on TV. That was more of my lane. And no, I think that I think that works, especially there's more leniency in animation, especially if you're a uh, an anime person where um, like gender lines are more blurred, men are more feminine and women are more masculine, or there's just like characters who are just all over the place in between and beyond. But also, yeah, Ursula is definitely absolutely a queer icon. That's, that's definitely an interesting thing that I think he could very much look into. Like, I really wonder if just like, is every queer person like a fan of some kind of animation? Because if so, that makes a lot of sense. Well, there's absolutely, I feel like I've had this conversation with people where um, pretty much every Disney villain, especially villains that were like in the Disney Renaissance, like Little Mermaid, Lion King, that era, all the Disney villains are queer coded and that's like, Oh, we were just this, which is a whole other connotation, which is, we don't need to get into that part of it. But I wonder if it, I wonder if it speaks to me as a person that my favorite uh, Disney villain is um, Frollo from uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I know that whole man shtick is like wanting to sleep with a woman, but also I very much feel like he could be queer coded too. I get that vibe from him. That's a really interesting point. And now I'm sitting here thinking of it. I'm like, Hmm, because I, I didn't really watch a lot of the Disney things growing up as a kid. Um, I think my first Disney movie I watched was the Tarzan movie. And that's not, I don't think that's Disney, right? No, it is. It is. They, oh, I thought it's it was Disney and probably the most queer thing because it you do have a shirtless man running around for an hour and a half. So I can't imagine why I liked it so much. Um, but I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, was this person from The Hunchback like actually queer coded? Oh, I think Frollo absolutely is because like any sexual desire he has, he's trying to repress and like basically like shun from his body because he has. Uh, vaguely, I mean, he says he has a religious background, but I think he's just a fear of religious. I don't know. We could get into Frollo, but there's so um, much good stuff about Frollo. Oh my god! But even, even like, regardless of like his own like aversion to his own sexuality and kind of trying to repress that, he's just his mannerisms, like everything. There's just villains in Disney at that time were all just like the men were feminine and the women were masculine. And there was very much, I mean, yeah. Scar is also a queer icon. Love him so much. (laughs) There are so many, like Maleficent is definitely queer. Um, God, who are all the villains? Um, Trying to think of more Disney villains. Oh my God. Honestly, any of them. Um, I think my favorite part of Once Upon a Time was Regina. I definitely think that she was queer-coded in that show as well, even though um, I, I I think she leans... In my head, she leaned more towards bisexual. Um, oh, yeah. Just because oh, of yeah. like 
her, like she was just like this. I don't know. I'm just associating her with being part of the LGBT people, especially with like the, I think she was in love with Snow White, but couldn't do it. You know? No. I mean, let this speak to that. I know the bare minimum about that show. And I legitimately thought that she was a queer character, like from everything that I've seen and all the trailers and stuff. Like I thought she was queer and this is news to me that she is not. It's just because the fan edits are so good because everyone wanted her and Emma to end up together because they their bisexual energy for each other is like so strong in the last couple of seasons when they team up and you're just like, okay, you beat the bad guy now, just kiss each other. Can you just please kiss? Uh-huh. I've been fooled by the internet. <laughs> like truly, I agree with Sophie. Like the I started rewatching it again and their like hatred for each other at the beginning is very like what is that thing going around where it's like your favorite tropes? It's very much like we hate each other. And then it's like, they look at you the one day and they have like gay panic because it's like, Oh my God, I think I'm gay for this person. Some good old, some good old hate to love. We love that. Yes. One way, one of my favorite tropes that give me that in a slow burn and I'm good. We all know how I feel about slow burns, but I also love them at the same time. That was my last serious question. I have a dumb question now. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Head please ask, it. please. Um, we do this sometimes on the podcast where I think we haven't done it for a while, but if in a a beautiful world where this becomes like an amazing book and is taken off into the world of Hollywood, do you have any, um, fan cast for characters or anything? Oh God. Um, so the bad, the bad thing about, a movie is that like I would want very much for like a non-binary actor to play Ben, which unfortunately I don't think there are many options. Um, there was one model. I don't think he acts um, that I, that I had in my head as Ben um, while I was writing and drafting um, Matthew Clavain. C-L-A-V-A-N-E, I think. Um, I, I saw a lot of his pictures, and he just captured the, the soft Ben energy that I was looking for. For Nathan, I don't really have a fan cast. I'm wondering who, who could play Nathan. I feel like Reese King is such a cop-out because he's so many people's like YA boyfriend uh, model or something. What was the, the model's name that you mentioned for Ben? Matthew Clavain. C-L-A-V-A-N-E, I think is how it's spelled. Oh my god, they're beautiful. I know, right? Oh my god, that's where the hair is from! Um, yeah, this, I, yeah, I, I see this. I really, I need to start looking at different actors who could play Nathan, because I feel like I'm going to get this question a lot. I have one suggestion for you because that, because I also was having the problem where I couldn't, I couldn't think of a person who could capture Ben. Um, but pulling from the love Simon universe, <laughs> uh, um, Kean Lonsdale who played Bram. Oh my God. Yes. Why didn't I think of him? He was actually, he was, um, when Jeffrey and I were talking one time, um, he said that he, whenever he gave the instructions to the cover artist, Sarah Maxwell, he 
told her to look at uh, Matthew, and I'm pretty sure he told her to look at Keenan too for Nathan. So yeah, that actually that works a lot. That, Amazing. That would literally be the most beautiful looking couple. I think my eyes would start bleeding. Like they'd be the it couple at high school. Like no one would ever want to talk to them because they'd be too afraid. They'd be I, too powerful. Too powerful. I would literally be like, well, I have to transfer schools. I had one other two for possibly uh, um, Miriam, um, Amanda Steinberg, who is also identifies as non-binary. And Ooh, I good. loved her so much since the Hunger Games. And I'm just watching them grow and just like, this is, yeah. I don't she's, know. she's become the YA adaptation uh, icon. So yeah, that fits. Yeah, and one of those, like, perfect baby faces, too. So, like... Actual baby. We're not sure how old they are. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of, like... I'm so bad at, like, like young actors. I think it's because I uh, literally watch uh, Pretty Little Liars all the time. Um, because that's trash television at its finest. But I literally... <laughs> they just put out a new season of it. And I'm watching it. And... Um, I literally feel like if we need any, like if we want to do Sophie or um, I'm forgetting the other friend's name. Wow. Malika. Yes. I feel like we could pull from that. I'm game for any recommendation. I also always love the idea of casting unknown people because I mean, I, I love supporting actors that I know and like going to see things, but I'm also sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I can't see you in this role because I just recognize your face as, as this person. person. Yeah. I, I'm not going to like give away who or what book it is, but I was talking with an author friend um, and they were saying that uh, casting people very much wanted to focus on finding like new faces for the roles. And I was like, Oh, that sounds amazing. Especially for like a non-binary actor for Ben, like, Imagine helping someone break out like that. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think that would be amazing, actually. Uh, I'm out of questions, so we can just start talking about uh, Carly Rae Jepsen again. I don't <laughs> okay, listen, let's, let's do it. Missy. This is the Carly Rae Jepsen cast. I mean, if that gets her attention, I wouldn't say no. Oh, my God. Um, I think my... So, let's see. I think my like last... I have two last questions. What are your hopes for the people who read I Wish You All the Best? So I I talked a little bit about this in the the author letter that went out with the arcs, which you know not everyone gets to read, so I try to share that like as much as I can. But I really I hope for I hope for teenagers that like maybe confused or lost or really anyone of any age, but specifically like young kids. I I hope the book helps them realize that they're not alone in dealing with the feelings that they are potentially having, whether it be about, you know, their own identity, gender, sexuality, anxiety, depression, their own mental illnesses. Like I really just hope that they realize that they're not alone in, in dealing with any of that. Like so many of us deal with that on a constant basis and, you're definitely not the only person out there. And then for the people who don't, for the people who just read it and maybe enjoy it, I, I kind of hope they just come away 
thinking and realizing that not everything is as surface level as it seems like, you know, these are things that a lot of people deal with and they're invisible problems and issues and concerns to you, but that doesn't make them any less valid. You know, I think that's the, the one thing that like I, I loved about this book is that also the non-binary community actually can teach us is to, you know, our first look at something isn't going to, isn't always going to be right. Like it, it actually teaches us to take a, like a closer look at something and to actually like ask questions and to, um, you know, maybe put aside our first expectation of something. I think that's like the really cool thing about something like this book is that, um, it, it really does exactly what you were saying. Oh, thank you. I, I'm glad that I accomplished it even just like a little bit. I think that's uh, like a kind of one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is that, you know, I didn't have any of these resources or like the internet really as a kid or these books really. And, uh, to be able to like highlight and to show like two adult queer people who are, you know, I'd like to think Sophie and I are happy 90% of the time, um, showing that like, you know, queer people are doing things with their lives as adults. Like I, would like to show younger people that or even older people that like, Hey, you know, there are people out there that like have gone through the things that you've gone through. There are books that, you know, better, you know, more eloquently explain this than either I or Sophie can do. And I think your book very much highlights that as well. Oh, thank you. Okay. Last question I have. <laughs> um, did, did you, okay. So we love Ben and Nathan. Um, do you think we're going to get, to read about them again. <laughs> this could be a, a yes or yes question answer because those are the two options. Listen. Um, so this is a question, again, that I got a lot um, from people online and things like that. And I cannot promise anything because who knows what's going to happen. Um, there's definitely not going to be another full book. Uh, I feel like both Ben and Nathan's story has been told whether or not they pop up in future books is the real question. And hopefully, uh, fingers crossed that I can actually make that happen. I just tried not to shriek loudly because I love that response. Um, And uh, that's, that's really exciting. And also I'm sorry if we've been like repeating any kind of questions. Oh no, you're good. I love, I love answering these questions. And then like whenever I get nervous, I kind of feel like I have an answer I can already fall back on and sort of elaborate on in a way I might not have gotten to. Um, But yeah, I, no spoilers, um, but I'm trying to draft a middle grade right now where the main character sort of figures out things about identity, and uh, there may or may not be a certain uh, character who appears in that book that I'm very excited to see again, and I hope that that actually becomes a thing. I... what. Whatever you were just talking about sounds amazing. I a middle grade book is again. I refresh my memory. 
Um, the, the middle grade is not anything that we have sold or anything like that. And I haven't talked about it a lot. Um, but the hope is that I can finish drafting that and send it to Lauren over the summer and we can make something out of it. Hopefully that will actually get to happen. Um, mostly it was made out of there being no, uh, middle grade books that have non-binary protagonists, which I do not like whatsoever. So hopefully I get to uh, change that with this. I One of the questions I actually, I think I overlooked was that like, I, I'm assuming you have a hard time finding non-binary characters to like, associate, like to, um, I don't want to say look up to, I guess. I don't know how to word this, but like growing up, I'm assuming they're, I didn't know of any characters that were like uh, that were non-binary. So, like, so like, do you have a hard time finding characters to associate with? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think probably the first time I saw myself was in Simon Spear, and that wasn't even anything to do with gender identity. That was just sexuality. Um, but that's that's one of the reasons that I wrote. I wish you all the best, and why thus far in my writing i have yet to write a cis protagonist like it just doesn't happen my brain doesn't work that way um but yeah i i really i really want to i want to fill the shelves with non-binary and trans stories and you know it's too late for me to go back and fix anything uh, I can't hop in a time machine just yet and go give younger me a copy of the book. So I, I guess another hope of mine is to, to be able to be that person for any non-binary or trans teens out there who feel like they need help or guidance. I think you've done a really good job with that. Um, and well, uh, you. <laughs> yeah, of course I, I, I never actually get to say this to authors uh, because I've never, I've never been able to like go and meet an author or like speak with them one-on-one. And it's been really nice to actually talk to you um, to act, literally say like, congratulations on like the launch of your book. And um, I know that I'm not a non-binary person, but I can imagine that this is like, this has such gravity for people who are trying to figure out how to express themselves and uh, try to figure out, like who they are as a person. And I think this is like such an important book and uh, I'm really glad that you put this out because it's really special. Oh, thank you. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did get one question online uh, about, um, I wish you all the best being translated into Spanish. I know that you were, uh, you had tweeted about that earlier uh, with, because I know with uh, Spanish, a lot of their, language is specifically, I think, about gender. Um, as, did you want to talk about that at all? Uh, yeah, I can. Um, so I don't, I'm not, uh, I guess that would be like linguistics. I don't know. I didn't go to college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, a, lot of, a lot of different languages are built on gendered, language uh spanish is one i think french is one too don't quote me on that um but uh i just got the call two days ago that we had sold the spanish rights and um i was very excited and um 
it was it's actually something I had had the the fortune of talking with some Spanish readers about Spanish readers who uh, got the arc or um, you know Spanish people who are just Spanish speaking people who had heard about the the book and were curious and you know there's not really there's not really a way for I guess for non-binary gender neutral language in Spanish like things maybe have to be a certain way I don't know I I got D's in both of my Spanish classes in high school so I am nowhere near an expert on this (laughs) but um you know when it comes down to it I and thinking about it more you know a lot of the book is not been how I say this um it's not a lot of people talking directly about Ben. So I don't know how like the per, the pronoun and word usage would work in that sort of situation. Like, you know, it's all Ben's point of view and things like that. Like no one's describing Ben to Ben. Um, again, I am nowhere near an expert on any kind of language, even English. And I'm a writer. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think, I think I trust the, the publisher to, to at least try to do the right thing and do right by Ben. And, you know, even if, even if the pronoun usage there is strange or in any other language is, is strange and sort of imperfect, I still think that the general message of the book can, can get across. You know, I think that, I think that, it's it's still there in the words that I wrote and that hopefully someone, you know, can translate into a, a readable way. Um, I think the heart of the book is still going to be there no matter what. I think I, I took, uh, oh my gosh, is it 13 years of Spanish classes? And I could not tell you anything about the language because I think the way that American... Uh, the education system teaches other languages is just like not the best way. But, but anyway, anyway. <laughs> but uh, unless it's Latin, and then you know people can come at me with fifteen different phrases in Latin, and it, for some reason that's taught correctly. But, oh yeah, and then we can read Harry Potter in Latin too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think when using uh, descriptives like they and them, I think those aren't specific genders, if I remember correctly, in uh, the Spanish language. I could be wrong, but it could, I think it might work out perfectly well because, again, I think the, the essence of the book will still be there. But I think um, whoever has uh, their, whoever's doing the production of the book, I think they'll do it in, a, I think, a, hopefully a very lovely way that will still represent the book very well. And I there was a point in time before the book came out, I was actually talking with, um, I believe that he is an editor. Um, his name is Michael. And I, unfortunately I do not remember, uh, the company or the publisher that he worked for, but he talked about wanting to, um, wanting to translate the book and taking it to, uh, the people who buy books to translate. And I don't know Again, I don't know which company he worked for, so he could very well be working on this one. But we had, you know, we talked uh, over Twitter messages, and he said, you know, the language could be 
difficult, but like he really wanted to give it a shot. So I really think if the right person is behind it and they're passionate enough about getting it right, like I don't see why it couldn't work. I especially if there's someone who's actually passionate about making sure it it reads well. I I think that's really exciting and it's it's so cool that people have been talking to you about this, especially like with the Twitter question, the person who asked the question, they wanted to know if there were any other like languages that were being considered for translation. So as of right now, there is not, uh, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, when it came to, when it came to even talking about translation rights, um, basically my agent and I got on a phone call about com- something completely different. And that was just the first thing that she brought up was just that we had sold the Spanish rights. And I was like, wait, what, what, what was that? And we sold Spanish rights and I'll send you the terms and yeah, good to go. So like, I didn't even have a hand in really anything like that. So I do not know what could be happening. Uh, who knows? Maybe I wish you all the best. It will be in Latin one day. I'd love to see that. Can't wait to read it in Latin. I if it is I want the I want a copy of that please oh, oh. oh my god <laughs> I'm just I'm just remembering this this is extremely on topic but actually one of my my very good internet friends um she just finished doing her dissertation and we're all extremely proud of her um but her final paper was about um the use of gender neutral language in Spanish um and I feel like I need to like pick her brain about it even more now, but I think she focused, um, majority on like how it's used on the internet specifically. Um, but from what I understand is it's something that's being tried, it's being used in LGBTQ communities, um, and in smaller like communities, but not necessarily like spread out into, obviously it's not like a worldwide, um, like seeped into all Spanish at the moment, but we're getting getting there. there. Oh yeah. And I think, I think that's another point too. Like, I don't want to think that my book is going to completely change the language uh, that someone speaks or certain terminology in any kind of language. Uh, I, I don't like that idea, (laughs) but like language is language is always evolving and you know, we're always coming up with different names and terms for things. So who knows what could happen? Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to, like, social changes, words are invented or shifted in the way that they're used. And that would just be, we need to examine how uh, gender is used in in different languages who, like, rely on it more so than English and just kind of, like, shift it maybe or add it back, add it in with what already exists. Yeah, I like that, yeah. I don't happen to have any other questions, Um is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Mason? Uh, not that I can think about, no. Sophie, do you have any other questions? Maybe about, like, Cher or, like, Britney Spears? Any pop star questions? Which Yuri is your favorite? <gasps> oh, my God. I will take a bullet for chubby pre-Victor Yuri. I love him with all my heart, and I will die for him. All right. I'll take that. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Sophie's uh, Twitter name right now is Fat Thor Enthusiast. Oh, I I haven't even seen Endgame, but I've seen pictures of, like, 
that version of Thor, and I like him better than other Thor, and that's all I'll say about that. I'll live or die for fat superhero. A realistic reaction to something happening, right, <laughs> everybody? Hey. But, um, Mason, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I really didn't, uh, like, I didn't know what to expect when you were like, yeah, email me. I was like, uh, okay, I've never done this. Um, and it was, like, so amazing to have you on the podcast and it was like so fun to talk to you about this stuff oh thank you i very much enjoyed this too uh well i guess we can wrap the episode up is everyone okay with ending i guess or we could keep talking about carly ray jepson <laughs> listen I'm, I'm here for it all we're gonna make we're gonna make sure that you have all the track names memorized you got it you have to get the songs memorized by the time you go see her so you can just like really support our girl oh i can i'll belt them out all day long but whenever i listen to the album i i listen to it like all in one like fell swoop and i'm never looking at my phone so i don't know which part i'm singing so it's just one really long song it really is it's it i mean it works that way i i'm gonna have to put carly Rae jepsen on my i just made a playlist i think it's either um gay driving or driving while gay and it's just uh, I'm hoping to add just like bangers on there. There are so many CRJ songs to add to that list. I'll, I'll send them to you. <laughs> Thank God for you guys. All right. Well, um, my name is Brendan Patrick. Um, who are my two special guests today? I'm Sophie. I'm here usually, so I'm not that special, but I'm Mason. This is my first time here. So I guess that makes me extra special. Mason, whenever you want to come back, you are more than welcome to talk to us about books or whatever. Um, we loved having you. Oh, please. I will come back anytime you want me. Although if you want to, uh, if you want to schedule it around another book, we might have to wait for a few years. I mean, I'm sure we can always have that conversation another time, but you are more than welcome to come on whenever we're doing another book. Do you have any upcoming events or anything? I know you're just launching. So do you have any like book signings or anything that might be coming up? So uh, let's see if I can remember everything. I, I've gotten so many emails over the last week. It's ridiculous. Um, I will be at, I'm going to New York for BookCon, but I will be at books of wonder um, for an event there that is on the 31st. Uh, June 2nd, I will be at a panel at BookCon, and then we're doing a signing afterwards. Uh, June 4th, I get to travel to Asheville, back in North Carolina, for an event with the Becky Albertalli, which I'm so excited for and so ready. And I will cry, and it'll be fine. Um, then there are a few other events in the works. I actually... Um, it's super secret hush-hush right now, but I just... Uh, I just signed a deal or filled out a form to uh to go to another book festival that takes place next year can't talk about that yet until the author list gets revealed but that'll be fun um and there are there are a few events a few different like festivals and stuff i'm not sure if i can like mention which ones because the the libraries and the event organizers haven't like tweeted about an author list just yet but um if you go to my website, which is just masondeverwrites.com, I have a whole events page where like, I update it constantly, um, as often as I can, with everywhere that I'm going to be. So keep an eye out for that. 
when I add events, if you want to come see me. I really, so I was just in New York and I'm really mad that the dates didn't overlap because I wanted to um, come and just be like, hello. But um, also I might be asking for your ad, like a, a way to ship something to you because I have a super lit thing that I would love to give to you. Oh, well, I will gladly accept it. I love presents. My friend made me a super lit denim shirt for Christmas, and I'm, like, 100% sure that I'm going to get one for you. I love that, please. Yay! All right. Well, um, I'm mad that I can't go to New York or be at the, the meeting in which you are going to be with Becky to just see two of my favorite people. But... Um, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Of course. Anytime. Um, all right. So my name is Brendan Patrick. I have Mason Deaver. It's Deaver, right? (laughs) Deaver. Yes. Oh my God. Why can't I do this? Rhymes with Beaver and Cleaver. I literally in my head, I'm thinking, okay, Brendan, it's like Beaver. And I didn't want to say it aloud because I was like, I don't know if this person would like to have that rhyme, but Yes. <laughs> my name is Brennan Patrick. This is Mason Beaver. I just said Beaver. Oh my God. Uh, we got me all we I've been talking for almost <laughs> two hours. Um, and we also have Sophie. So thank you so much for coming in, guys. And uh, we will see you in the next one, Sophie. And maybe another time for you, Mason. I sure hope so. All right. Um, thank you for listening to Superlit. Bye. Cue the end music. <laughs> I love when you do that, Sophie. <laughs>